his face, and he completes it. Truesdale, fumble the football, is picked up by New York with room to run. Summers working his way to the end zone, hit near the goal line as he in. Touchdown! Out of the pocket is Walker. Wide open is Mobley again. This time they connect. Touchdown, Roughnecks. Tamu looking in zone, back of it. It is... Touchdown! Oh, touchdown, St. Louis! Alonzo Russell in a nine-yard strike from Tamu. Cornell Jones, a flip, back to Rodgers, back to Jones, a man wide open down the sideline. It's Tari Lee, five, goal line, touchdown! D.C. defenders with some razzle-dazzle! Welcome, football fans. This is February 11th, 2020. This is For the Love of Football, and this is the XFL Show. I'm Alan. I'm Jake. I'm Vince. And I'm Bryant. Week one is in the books, and the results are in. Football Reimagined resulted in four games that were absolutely captivating. This is episode 112 Give us more of that, please. Oh, my goodness. Week one delivered and then some. It was better football than I personally could have imagined. It was more exciting than I could have imagined. And this isn't just me spitting hot air. Jake, we've arrived and it delivered. And I, I, I have so much to say today. I am so excited for this show. Probably more excited than I've ever been. Yeah, and like I was anticipating last week, we are closer than ever to week two of the season. <laughs> yeah, we are. Week two is going to be very interesting now that we've seen these teams, and now there's, well, a lot on the line for some of them. Going 0-2 in the XFL will not be good, and we're going to be breaking down what some of these teams have to look forward to going into their week two prep. Vince, the football I thought was good. The broadcasts were interesting. Being in D.C. was electric. How are you feeling coming off all four games? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I can't wait to talk about it, you know, as, you know, we've waited two years to finally see these games played. And just like uh, any other Americans nowadays, we, we've waited two years to break it all down and discuss it. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I'm just chomping at the bit to get at this thing. Uh, just an excellent weekend, I would say, overall. Oh, man, and Bryant, you got to watch them all from the comfort of your own home with your brand-new baby girl. You you are going to – I'm hoping you're going to be going to an XFL game soon, but even if, if you don't in a week or so, you still got, I thought, a, a, an experience unlike anything you've ever seen when it came to the television. Holy hell, anything can happen in the XFL <laughs> was all weekend long because the, the – I'm so – trying to wrap my head around exactly what I was watching because the wife was even with me watching football and she was excited. She said, this doesn't look anything like I've seen before. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Alan, I will be going to the Wildcats game this weekend. So catch me there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the baby girl was in the baby girl was enjoying it as well. Uh, she really stayed quiet during the game. She knew when to, to fuss and when not to fuss. <laughs> well, I'm happy you're going to get to the game, man, because it was very cool to be in DC. And then, well, I'm greedy. So I double dipped and went to New York as well. <laughs> and I had I had the time 
of my life with with my fiance. She, she you know, she she's got she has a she has a phone in her hand. She'll be looking away and not paying it full attention. Eyes were glued to the fields because she she was very interested in all the different rules as well and the spectacle of it all. And I thought overall the feedback, at least online, was really awesome. And then the numbers are coming in. We're going to get into all of it plus all the football. 724-565-4XFL is the number to call at XFL Show on social media. If you ever want to reach us, that number I gave you, the XFL fan line, that's open all the time. That voicemail for you to leave a message and give us your thoughts on the games. We want to hear from you directly. You could talk to us, 724-565-4XFL. But at XFL Show, Brian, woo, Nelly, the social activity we're going to get into, we were really blowing up on that. And, of course, at XFL 2020, everybody talking about number one trend worldwide. I mean, that was electric on saturday i can't that's the word of the weekend not just because of those those bolts on the defenders logos they looked awesome too but my oh my everybody talking xfl and this tuesday morning show will be a regular edition where we recap the week recap the games of course the late thursday night show coming up later this week we will be previewing week two so a lot of recap a little bit of preview for the whole week and then of course we'll get you that thursday night show but let's dive into some of what went down in week number one in the XFL here as we dink and dunk a little bit around the league. We're trying to make some stuff happen, and they're doing a little extra pushing and shoving. We're trying to get a job done. That well, that was Dylan Day of the Seattle Dragons, and an instant classic, Vince. Instant, instant uh, viral sensation that that was. That's one of the big highlights, I think, for people took for the weekend. That, that was the access but Dylan Day's moment there with the F-bomb, obviously something a lot of people were talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took, uh, you know, I, I love taking the temperature of different rooms. And I was talking to, to tons of different groups of people uh, uh, today of what their thoughts were about these games. And one of the first things they talked about it was, wow, you know, it, it's awesome to see, you know, the kind of insight that you get into what's actually happened down on the field, the insight that you get up in the replay booth, uh, the interaction with the officiating, hearing the coaches call some of the plays. I mean, it's just stuff that, yeah, you'd love to see, but you just never get with the NFL. And and it was something different and people liked it. Okay, that, that's a great, that's great, Vince and all. Totally cool. But this league is about the fans, and no one was as hyped as this man right here. Today in the XFL Football League, baby, this is this is the answer to the NFL offseason. Holy shit, Houston drops back, and quarterback fires a damn missile down there, son, and he catches that son of a This is NFL-type play right here. XFL, I did not expect this kind of play from the XFL. Holy shit. They got some quarterbacks in this league. Look at that damn catch. He goes up there and says, I got the grocery, son. I'm going to the house. <laughs> they do have some quarterback. They got some bleeping quarterbacks in this league is probably yeah. the quote of the weekend. You're right. You're right, Brian. That was amazing. <laughs> and they're going the passion, to the house. Right? <laughs> Uh, Jake, I'm sure you were in front of your television doing the same thing on Sunday when you got back home because it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, so, something like that. I, I guess. Uh, that individual we heard there, uh, you know, a, a very vocal, excited fans. But I mean, remember watching some of these games, you know, there were those those renegade fans painted up all blue, uh, you know, with the 
train robin bandanas over their faces. I saw some gargoyle fans with Batman masks and even dressed up like gargoyles. We had shields up in D.C. whenever we were there. And I, I want to see what the home crowds do. And especially I'm looking forward to Seattle. You know, we heard that possibly they're opening up more seats and, you know, they're dragons. I expect pyro, uh, flames, smoke, maybe even a real life dragon, uh, a dragon flyover, possibly. <laughs> All of the dragons are real. Dragons are real. I, love, oh, I can't wait. Oh, man, the fans all over. I mean, I was in New York and their crowd was living it. I mean, in the stadium, they were, you know, having a good time, drinking, screaming, Guardians, best chant of the weekend, even better than DC. Whoop, whoop. What about Gopher 3? Gopher 3 was, uh, I mean, obviously all the listeners that were in attendance in D.C. chanting that. Shout out to all nah. them. Appreciate nah. them. <laughs> While we're on the topic of chants, I mean, how refreshing was it to hear these teams chanting for their own, yeah, the fans chanting for their own team instead of just chanting the letters of the promotion? Maybe that's <laughs> how you know that your particular team is getting over in your particular town it does make sense and and you know what these fans were having a great time i mean they weren't just they weren't just there you know uh you know to spec spectate and you know see what it's all about they were in it they were a part of it and that's what the league's all about i mean at the guardian at the guardians game in the parking lot they you know took a little they stole a little bit from the bills mafia but the someone went through a table at metlife stadium vince that's how excited people were (laughs) I'll say this, you know, one of the most shocking moments of the week for me and and Jake, I know you noticed this as well, is, you know, as soon as we got out of the car at Audi Field, you see just whole van loads of families getting out of their their vans or trucks, and they're all decked out head to toe in D.C. Defenders gear. The whole families already had all all the swag uh, ready to go cheer on their team. I did not expect that. You're right. Early. They were they were dressed for success. They were drinking. They were grilling. They were barbecuing in the parking lot, and and that was pretty early. You know, right whenever we were getting ready to walk into the stadium. Yeah, a little glimpse. Um, can I ask you one? Oh, go ahead, one Brian. Question. How 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 was that blizzard in New York for opening week? Just curious. The the blizzard that was it was beautiful out. What are you talking? Oh, about? Oh yeah, that's right. A beautiful day in in New York City for Game One. Uh, I just remember there was always talk about blizzards and how the weather was going to be crappy. The XFL uh, stayed in the right markets, D.C. and New York, for that first week because those fans and those games were pretty electric, especially with those videos that you posted on Twitter, Alan, that you know you were out there. Did you guys keep those shields? you get me one, by the way? Maybe you could have mine. I'll stay, I'll, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. I don't know. Yeah, I, it looks pretty nice up on the wall right now. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm going to hang on to it at least for a little bit. I'll get back to you about it. Uh, let's go over some of the injuries real quick. Uh, Brandon Silvers did get a, a little banged up at the end of that game with Seattle and D.C. Vince, we were there. We saw him go down in a heap. You said, oh, his Achilles is torn, and then he you know, walked off the field. So obviously that's not what happened. But uh, you got you to gotta think, Silvers going down like that at the end of the game, getting banged up a little bit, roughed up, not very good for Seattle at quarterback. From what you saw of him, I don't know what when we get into it later and talk about the game a little bit, do you think – uh, less than 100% Brandon Silvers is a liability? I don't know. I mean, I'll say this. I didn't think that the Seattle offense was all that bad. Uh, they exceeded my expectations. Uh, and, you know, he did walk off the field. I think it was, you know, probably a little precautionary there. But I, I think he's going to be okay. 
but we'll have to see what the injury report says. Yes, and the other bad one we saw visually, no word yet exactly on the status of tight end Cole Hunt from St. Louis, but he was carted off the field, Jake, after getting penalized too. Kind of insult to injury. That was tough to watch, but uh, that that injury uh, resulting from a, just a, a player that was probably just too hyped to be out there for week one, a little bit too excited. <laughs> there there was a lot of that going going on around the league, including you know one one ejection. We did have one ejection, uh, only one across the league. Th- uh, so that was a, that I guess is a is now the standard. Plus, one what per- we saw in training camp. It's, oh. yeah, yeah, so and and I don't believe I don't know if they interviewed that player though when they got kicked out. But um, we'll we'll no, have to go back. Not. Yeah, I don't think they did. So, but oh man, those they were getting all all other kinds of interviews. ESPN and Fox. So we're going to get into that. Let's go to the transaction side real quick and the big one. As of uh, earlier this morning on of this live on tape podcast, Pepper Johnson, the defensive coordinator, former defensive coordinator of the L.A. Wildcats, fired today, Bryant, by Winston Moss. Uh, L.A. gave up uh, you know, a lot to the Houston Roughnecks in that week one outing. And I have to say, honestly, I am totally shocked. I mean, that was week <clears throat> one. It was week one, and we knew the Roughnecks were going to have some kind of offense you know, with June Jones and all, they put 37 up on L.A., and it gets Pepper Johnson fired? Well, if you listen to the post-game uh, press conference from Coach Moss, he was very, and I mean very, uh, unhappy with his coordinators. Now, I think he, he praised Norm Chow a little bit for the, the play calling, uh, maybe faulted the players for the execution of it all, but he was not happy yeah. with what uh, well, his, his defensive coordinators Really let's did. let's play that right here and, and Vince Vince Jake you tell me because it sounds to me when I hear this quote this opening quote from Winston Moss something was coming for one of the coordinators I honestly when I heard this part didn't think it would be Pepper Johnson it sounded like the special teams coordinator might have been getting it but here's Winston Moss right after the LA Wildcats loss early in the week I gave my coordinators um three rules three principles I said Win the turnover battle, win the field position battle, and win the explosive play battle. And we didn't do any of those tonight. I, when I heard that, I thought, oh, man, that sounded a lot like it was on Norm Chow for the offense. And then later on, he did praise the defense for keeping L.A. in the game. But in the end, it's Pepper Johnson, Vince, who got fired. Yeah, it, it, to me, this is a really bizarre firing uh you know Bryant you're you're much closer to this team than any of us and so maybe you can shed some light on you know if there was some trouble in this camp leading up to the game but you know firing somebody after one week of a brand new league a coach for poor performance I mean that is just you know kind of outrageous to me and I think it speaks a little bit to the fact that you know this is coach Moss's first ever game coaching uh, being a head coach, as far as I'm, I know, um, so yeah, maybe this is some inexperience, some panic setting in. I, I don't know. I, I, I just can't can't believe he'd do something like this. It's very overreactionary, in my opinion. Well, Alan, I mean, we saw Coach Moss in Houston and Pepper Johnson, and their relationship looks pretty good. I mean, there was there was no no uh, hidden turmoil, at least from what we could see in training camp. There, I simply think it just comes down to the fact that I think. Uh, Coach Moss thinks he can do the job better. Yeah, and he wants to do it better, and he wants to do it himself. And unfortunately, Pepper Johnson is at the same position that Moss thinks he can do better. 
And based on what we saw on Saturday night, uh, Pepper Johnson had a great first half, but the second half, I think Coach Moss goes into it and even some more saying they ran out of gas. Something was wrong. Houston uh, was able to throw the ball all over the place on them. Uh, and there was some good – look, when, you, when Alan, you're right. When he played that, it doesn't sound like it's a defensive problem. Even during his press conference, it doesn't sound like it's a defensive problem. It did sound like he was blaming uh, yeah, the offensive side of the ball. That. I mean, they maybe they, they gave up more explosive plays. They lost. You know, they didn't create any turnovers. You know, I mean, it's, it's – I, I think that goes both ways in what he was talking about. Well, yeah, but, I, but he did I, praise I, the defense, like Alan was saying. Yeah, I'm so with you, Brian. It's a little strange. I just really think it. Sorry, Alan. Just real quick, I just really think Winston Moss thinks that he can do this job better, and he wants to. He wants that responsibility on his shoulders. I'm with you on that, Brian. 100. <laughs> percent I think this is Winston Moss saying, "You know what? Let me just take over this thing anyway." I don't think That's... this is a personal issue or anything. I would think Winston Moss wants his – I think Winston Moss wants his fingerprints on this defense. I think he sees that they could be good. He that... said as much in the in the press conference, and I think he wants to have total control of that defense, that... much that... like Kevin Gilbride has total control of that offense over in I... New York, Vince. Well, I just want the more thing on Moss. And with what you're telling me, that's a sign of a bad coach. You know, you got a, a head coach's job is to coach the coaches – to get the most out of his players. And it sounds like, you know, he didn't do a very good job and he's given up on a guy after, you know, one week. I, I just, I, that, that spells bad news to me. I don't think this Wildcats defense is in trouble. I think Moss taking over, it might actually be a good thing. We'll see because it really, the Roughnecks looked good. They put up 37. They put up 37 points on the LA Wildcats, but a lot of that had to do with LA's anemic offense in the second half. And also, L.A. held them 3-for-10 on third down for Houston, Vince, isn't very good. And that's what Houston did against that L.A. Uh, defense. You know, I, they weren't very efficient. L.A. held them in check a little bit. They didn't get after the P.J. Walker, and he's super elusive. It's it's You saw him ball out. No wonder why they couldn't. But I think Moss just said, you know what, I really want to be in total control of this thing. And in the XFL, the head coaches, they have that authority. So, I... I, it's a shocking move. We'll see what happens with L.A. moving forward. Obviously, when you fire a coordinator after one week, that isn't a great look, as Vince has pointed out. But we've seen in the NFL teams do that, and things turn around pretty quickly. There could, like I said, you know, we, we're not we're not in the locker room. There could have been a lot of stuff leading up to this that we just don't know about. Uh, I have to think that there was something. I can't I, I can't fathom that this was a complete blindside move. I mean, it is week. It is only week two of this league, and I think we have our first must-win game this week for LA. Ooh. All right. I mean, after what happened on week the one, put up or shut up. How can you think anything else? I will be coaching like a crazy man. If Winston Moss is going to have to have LA ready, we'll get into uh, what the Wildcats have in front of them when we break down uh, week one and start peeking ahead at week two here in a little bit, but that Pepper Johnson firing his defensive coordinator in L.A., obviously the big news coming out the Monday morning after the first weekend of XFL football. Uh, real quick, as we're dinking and dunking, winding that down here, Bryant, social media activity for the league. I wanted to get into some of this because it was, I mean, it, it's the 21st century. It's 2020, and really some of the most fun you could have is is enjoying something on television or at a live event with social media accompanying you. And 
the stuff I saw people putting out about the XFL during the games, after the games, before some of the games, was absolutely hilarious, entertaining, memorable. I, and even your new baby daughter was became a meme as a result. It was fantastic. <laughs> and, of course, the numbers exploded for, for the XFL's league accounts. And, of course, even our at XFL show on Twitter, a huge surge with people finally watching some XFL football. You know, the, the XFL, you saw it instantly because I had my social media accounts up on my computers and on my phone for kickoff. And the second that that new rule for the kickoff was displayed, Twitter blew up. People were like, this is what the NFL needs to do. Did the XFL just fix the kickoff for football? All these different things started posting. Uh, and, and in reality, it, it gave the XFL an even bigger boost than it already had leading into kickoff. Uh, but you're right. It was a lot of fun to see what was going on. The, the people down at, at the XFL headquarters were having a great time, I could tell, and doing a lot of fun stuff. Uh, everybody was. Also, this XFL on Fox Twitter account that you need to follow uh, if you're not already. That's a lot of fun there, too. Uh, and then, yeah, sure. I mean, Delaney, my little girl, <laughs> she was out there with a Wildcats shirt wearing. Uh, you know, she, she was born a Wildcats fan. What can I say? It was a she lot gets of fun, the but, uh, she gets to punch every fan in the world <laughs> if they looked at that picture because she did the old school high school. Oh, man, that was beautiful. I loved it. Uh, the kickoff got a ton of love. One of my favorite uh, tweets I saw. I, I wish I could credit who, I, who saw it. I saw it while I was at one of the games. But they said it was the it was uh, Step Brothers, you know, the Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and it said, "Did the XFL just figure out the kickoff?" Yep, it it was it was the big talk was the kickoff. Vince, everybody on social media loved the XFL kickoff. What they say on the floor down at work for you? Uh, you know, I mean, even before I got to the floor at work, you know, people were texting me during the game. Yeah, during the first game, in the first quarter, people are saying this is something that, you know, all football should have. This is how you should do a kickoff. You know, people at work were talking about it. They absolutely loved it. Things actually happened on a, at a play that's been almost extinct uh, the, the past uh, several years. Uh, people really excited about that. I'd say that and the... Uh, the instant replay situation uh, with, you know, all the exposure of the communication, how quickly it went, you know, that stuff. You know, those were the two biggest things that people were just buzzing about. Yeah, it was really fun to watch the people talking on social media. And then our on-field videos we got to post. That was, I mean, I look forward to that. Whenever we go to games, we'll try to, you know, post some stuff from the field as much as we can. And I try to do my best. And I, I mean, that. That's, I don't know if you guys saw the video I got of the Guardians pregame s- s- doing some bone crusher, jumping up and down. I ain't never scared. Was <laughs> yeah, the, I saw that. <laughs> the most hype thing I've ever seen pregame at a football game in my life. I had goosebumps. I also reminisced about playing Madden as a young kid. But still, the bone crusher pregame, the Guardians have to do that every single week, Vince. Yeah, if that's your thing. And it's obviously it worked for them. Yeah, the crowd went bananas, too, as they were filing in. They saw their team jumping up and down like that, like crazy men. And boy, oh boy, did they they played like crazy men. The Guardians look great. And uh, we'll get into their game here in a little bit. But let's dive into two very, very big things we need to talk about here as we do each and every single week. It is time for our cover two. 
camp underway as we speak. It's all up for grabs. It is a true competition. A lot of rules were released today. This league needs to be different, and this is really what it's going to be all about. 52-man rosters are set. It's exciting. It's going to be fast, which I think will be a lot of fun. Did you hear, who was that we just heard there? Brian, did you hear that? Who, was that who Diana was? Rossini? I thought that was Rossini, right? No, no. I thought the, the Mac, two, I the, heard McAfee. No, heard the Pat two, McAfee. Right, yeah, Jake? the two other Jake, people. Oh, I, de I definitely heard him, yeah. Two yeah, other, the, 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 the two other voices. You didn't well, you, probably some yokels. Vince McMahon, maybe. <laughs> no, that was two guys that probably have faces for radio. Is probably what <laughs> that was Vince and I made the Fox broadcast somehow. Played a clip as they were showing the lead up to the XFL. Vince, we were immortalized in the very first game aired on Fox Television in that little little package they played before kickoff, and that made my weekend when I heard about that. And I didn't even see that because I didn't catch the. LA Houston game till about I don't know five minutes after it started yeah it's because we know what the hell we're talking about here on <laughs> this is the XFL show uh, which you could find at XFL show on Twitter and other forms of social media and you could also download at any podcast application that you may choose or on YouTube for that matter and also at xfl.com uh, but yeah I, I just a a Tremendous broadcast uh, for all the all these games. I, now, I didn't get a chance to go back and rewatch the uh, the game that we attended, but uh, the broadcast that I did see, I, I loved every second of it. Well, you know, I'll say this, Vince, real quick. Uh, and Alan, I thought we were talking about the two important things. I don't know how how much this is on the important scale during the cover too, but uh, with those sleepless nights, I will say that I've been able to watch and rewatch some of these broadcasts over and over again in the last couple of days. Oh, yeah, the, the rebroadcasts are awesome. And it is important because it was uh, awesome that uh, we were, you know, a part of that. That was history to me. And also, we need to toot our own horn, Vince and I, a little bit. So, toot, toot. And we do know what the hell we're talking about. At least I do, because my favorite part of the week, it was that I was 4-0, and oh, baby. When we made our picks on our Thursday night show, I got them all right. And I, I, didn't, I didn't get the scores right. Obviously, that's very difficult to do. But I got the winners and my favorite part of the broadcasts, I have to say, were just the access and, and the Dylan Day stuff and the running and catching interviews like we heard, uh, you know, with Pat McAfee running down people. And, of course, Jonathan Hayes Bryant screaming, uh, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. At one of his <laughs> players who was getting in a fight. I mean, that was that was the best thing about the broadcast to me. What about you, Jake, watching it on TV? Yeah, watching it, I actually like uh, hearing the plays being called in from the defensive and offensive coordinators, whether they were, you know, uh, up in one of the booths or down on the field with with a big beach towel around their neck. I, that That's what I like the best. <laughs> How Mummy's beach towel? Would you, <laughs> if that was sold on XFL shop, would you buy a How Mummy beach towel? Branded beach towel. I don't know. I feel like, like he just got that towel. from the hotel. Looked like it was just a, a yeah, bath he just, towel. He took that from the hotel room before he came down. I really, I really think that. Uh, Alan, my favorite thing, and I and I think I was tweet. I was texting you guys throughout this whole game because I was a little jealous that you were at the game and I was watching on television. But I got to give you that little perspective from the TV, uh, sitting at home. There was a fumble uh, in that first game with the DC defenders and the uh, Seattle Dragons. Uh, and before the play was over, while they were scrumming for it, the camera was like in the scrum watching what was going on down there. I mean, it was incredible. I even tweeted out saying, holy hell, the access, unbelievable. Uh, it really just screams of different ways to watch a football game in different angles. Alan, 
we jake actually i will tell you this and remember i have an, a memory of an elephant so just believe me on this you had said we've already seen how the review the review referee does things how much more can you do all you do is flip that camera 180 degrees and now you're seeing what he's seeing with this cool little xbox controller uh, <laughs> reviewing the play in front of us it made it so much better than what the aaf was doing during Uh, their broadcast yeah we saw him up at the booth and that's actually something uh that you were mentioning before that i have on my notes about the cameraman staying on the field almost got taken out uh, (laughs) in that st louis game with that uh that snap going over uh tomu's head and you know i'm wondering how long it's going to be until a a cameraman just just gets leveled on the field because it it looks like it's going to happen yeah i have to shout out to the cameraman camera women the referees and the sideline reporters for their athleticism this weekend as well. Because what I also noticed during these games was how all those people were running around the field just as much as the players to give fans at home the access they were giving them. It was so entertaining. It was amazing. And my favorite tweet during the games, talking about all the access, all the stuff we got to see, this comes from at Jesse the Buckeye on Twitter. This is gold, and this is totally 100% correct. XFL Week 1 had... Multiple F-bombs on national television, on-field projectile vomiting, replay officials using Xbox controllers, fans in the stands eating rally cheese, which I didn't even see, but I heard about, a drunk streaker, post-game shotguns of hard seltzer, I'll add in fans going through tables, and that doesn't even include the football, Bryant. It, <laughs> that cheese, by the way, wasn't even fully unwrapped. It was that American cheese that comes in that plastic wrapper. He <sighs> ate that full on plastic as well. It was very interesting uh, there. Alan, I will say this. I did put a tweet out there just after the first quarter just to get some some feelers out there on how everybody felt like the game was going. And the responses were, I, all I asked was, in one word, how would you describe that first quarter uh, in the XFL? And so many people, you know, electric, fast, interesting dope encouraging legit so many different words to describe that first quarter only and that wasn't even i mean that was one of 16 quarters of football that we got this past weekend so uh, a lot of fun to be had watching this crisp i even got one time yeah yeah it's interesting to me you know talking with people is that you know i didn't really hear hardly anything negative uh, about this at all i mean yeah little little critiques here and there even i have some of my own uh, but, you know, overall, people were, you know, very interested. They they loved, you know, some of the innovations that we got to see. Uh, you know, they want to watch more of it. They were saying it's a legit league. And what the most interesting part about all that response to me is that, it, and if we're all being honest, these games all weren't really all that exciting. It's not like they were, like, came down to the wire, these back-and-forth contests that were going, you know, toe-to-toe the entire time you know uh some of these games were either blowouts or we had you know just some uh you know anemic offense or you know what have you but at the end of the day you know despite not being the the best of games people were still really into it and they want to come back for more and i gotta say this the, the best is yet to come so i think that's huge for the league well i think yeah maybe consistency wise and score wise there were, there were things missing, Vince, but all of these games had crazy exciting plays, at least a couple sure. of them. All of them did. A- a- amazing athletic plays only professional football players are capable of making. And then we, of course, have the added factor of the new rules and the intrigue of week one. 
all oh, that yeah. made for exciting, exciting game to watch on TV and to be there live among the 17,000 plus in DC and the 17,000 plus in New York and across the whole league. It, it was between 17, 18,000 uh, people uh, coming out to see these games to be a part of that, cr- those crowds, which are, uh, you know, about equivalent to a lot of NBA arenas. A, a, a whole hell of a lot better than some of the MLB stadiums I've been in as of late uh, when it comes to crowd size. Uh, to be a part of those crowds, to see them invest completely and just be there because they want to see some awesome football and they want to cheer someone on, the, the, be, the live atmosphere was equally as exciting as the as the unique broadcast, if not better for me, Jake. I got a double dip. I have to tell you, I being at the, I want to be at a game every single week if I can because they are so fun, so rowdy. These crowds. I don't know if it was week one or what. What do you think it was? Was it just angst or I mean, they all just saw a whole NFL season. These people act like they haven't seen football for months. Wow. Well, it's DC. They haven't well, really. Seen oh, that's, <laughs> that's true. That is. Well, haven't seen it for years. To be fair. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it was just the, the week one uh, buzz. For the most part, you know, the new kid in town, it, it, it's something new. But like Vince was saying, we did see a lot of merch, you know, that these people were, were coming out of their cars with already. They were there to party. They were there for a show and hopefully to see to see their team win. And that's what a lot of people were looking for. Now, what's going to be much more telling? I know we didn't mention any specific numbers uh, ratings wise yet, but it's going to be week two, week three, week six. Are these numbers going to sustain? Because even going back last year for the AAF, the you know week one was pretty good, but unfortunately they never made it the whole way to the end of the season. So it's going to be very telling. Uh, maybe not so much in week two because we're going to get some home openers from other areas, other teams where we expect the crowds to show up also. But going forward after that, for the return matches. Well, that's something I wanted to bring up here because you talk about ratings, you talk about attendance, the buzz. There are some of these markets that are going to be playing their first home game, obviously, this this week. You have LA and Seattle. And I think Seattle, we already know, is doing extraordinary well, extraordinarily well uh, in their market. LA, maybe not so much. Opened up more seats in Seattle. They've got so much buzz. Exactly. So, but which of the four hosting markets in week two benefited from so much happening in week one in terms of the positive, or at least perceived positive feedback that everyone's given the XFL? I mean, you have LA that everyone's like, okay, LA, I feel like LA has the most to gain because they also didn't have, they have the most wiggle room there. But, you know, everyone is kind of winning right now, even though there's only been four markets that have actually had a home game. I mean, DC, I think, is going to just explode with, with interest. and They'll look like, and, a can, like a busted can of biscuits, I think, on sun, on Saturday. I mean, they're fan, just going to be busting at the seams. Yeah, fans fans are going to pack that that stadium. It's it's the small stadium in, in the league, but the crowd was just – I mean, you were there, Vince. The, they were all about the city love, and to see a team that, that looked like the DC Defenders, I mean, that looked like one of the better teams yeah. – in the league, when you win, people come out to see you, and they were already close to absolutely packing into the rafters. And I think uh, week two against another good team in New York, it, it should be it should be pretty close. Yeah, I mean, you could go back and you know listen to our our post game show that we did uh, uh, in the archives, and we talked about how you know 
yeah, there were, you know, only 17,000 announced uh, to be there. And yeah, you know, maybe not all of them stayed for the whole game, but, you know, they were loud at the beginning and they were loud at the end. And, you know, it was a fun atmosphere despite maybe some colder weather. Uh, so I think that's something to be excited about. Uh, it, you know, those smaller stadiums, uh, we talked about it, you know, that could really make for a fun atmosphere. And I think they got something going in D.C. Yeah, that's if you, to answer your question, uh, Brian, I'm definitely on that for week two coming off of week one. It's the D.C. fan base. But, you know, Seattle, I mean, obviously they, they're, they're, they've got an 0-1 team coming to town. So it's a, a, a very important game for them but also the fans were already excited to see him. And I think the team showed enough to make you excited. The, the Dragons look like there's something there, uh, maybe more than we all thought when we were preseason predicting them to have the worst record. I think all of us did. Uh, I don't know about that anymore. So I think Seattle should should have a pretty good buzz going as well. Yeah, not, I don't not, a, it. not a buzz like the Guardians fans had in the stands <laughs> on Sunday, but, but close, Jake. <laughs> I don't even think it matters that Seattle dropped that first game. I, I say the same amount of fans are going to show up. I don't think it's going to deter anybody. Yeah, yeah, same, same here. Week one. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, you could easily recover. It's not like it's not like it's zero and five. I mean, you go zero and two though. We're gonna. I mean, we're about we're about to get to this hot read coming up, and going zero and two is is going to be pretty detrimental to your season. I think. Oh, and I mean, I'll explain why, for me at least, for some of these teams going 0-2 might be the death nail. And I know that sucks. It's early on, but that might be the case. Week one had some great football around, so why don't we all come in and, and give give some awards away? That's what you do at the end of a, a successful week, Vince. You give away awards, weekly awards, but we're going to do it differently here on This Is The XFL Show. We're going to make up our own awards and give them away each week and I, I, I told you guys, come up with your own award so we could give them away each week and, and you know give some positive reinforcement to these players who are working so hard, these people around the league who are working so hard. So you could give a, an award away for anything you want, but that's your award, Vince. You comprehend? You get it? You understand the task at hand? Yeah. All right, Jake, are you on board? I have my winner. Bryant? Oh, yeah. All right, let's get it on. Finishing off our cover two with our weekly awards. We're going to give these away each and every single week. I'll get things started to get you guys going. And my award every week, I'm going to give away the This Was XFL Football Award. A moment that screamed XFL football this week. And for me, it had to be the moment where Pat McAfee lost his mind during the St. Louis Battlehawks-Dallas Renegades game on a punt but whenever the wide receivers drop balls you need a punter to save you with a perfect what is he doing what in what, the what, world what 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 what, what, what? <laughs> hey pat <laughs> pat almost what? ran out there and, and, and downed himself <laughs> oh that was the perfect just stay off the ball just don't even touch it mark quetch is in a perfect punt <laughs> <laughs> and Mark White King's <laughs> epic punt ruined by Steve Boharness and Pat McAfee losing it. And the best part about it, the reason why this was XFL football uh, in a nutshell this week is because after the play, Pat McAfee got to actually go talk to Steve Boharness about 
why he would think about touching that ball at the one. My man. We got a flag on the play. Incredible effort on a special teams play there. Ends up backfiring a little bit. What was going through your mind? I thought he touched it, so I tried to get on the ball before no. he got on the ball, and then it went in the end zone. Okay, Joey, you're 100% right. I can respect the hell out of that. That is XFL football, Bryant, right there. A guy messes up on the field. Go ask him, what you, What were you thinking? And he gives you his answer. And everyone gets the you know get that clarity as a football fan. It was beautiful. <laughs> I saw I saw a tweet Alan that was pretty good that said, uh, uh, "You you get into a car accident. No one does nothing." XFL. How do you feel about that car accident you just got into? Right now? <laughs> uh, the, XFL, <laughs> the XFL just with their instant reactions, it's pretty solid. Uh, kickers when they miss them, kickers when they make them, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Alan, I'll go into my award though if that's okay. Here's what I came up with. I came up with uh, the cutest baby award. For this week. And, no, I'm joking. I didn't come up with that word. Okay, here's I've, I've said many times on this show, I'm not a, I'm more of a professional in terms of talking about a startup league, not necessarily a league playing football. So I came up with this is new territory made, for you. This is new territory. Yeah, it's new territory. Right so I came up with the Who Made Bryant Look Good award. And on um, this week, I came up with an honorable mention, actually, Tim Cook, because I did mention last week that he would be great for fantasy because uh, he's going to pound in those conversions. He did two of those this pack, past week. But the the Who Made Bryant Look Good award this week goes to Nelson Spruce. I told you if you're in a PPR <laughs> league, 11 receptions, targeted 15 times, 103 yards, uh, 24.3 fantasy points on, on DraftKings. So uh, thank you, Nelson Spruce, for making me look somewhat good this week. Oh, absolutely, Brian. You've been talking him up. Nelson Spruce, you've been call, You've been saying, look out for him for the LA Wildcats. He had a backup quarterback thrown to him a lot, but he was catching it a lot and was basically LA's offense. He was all their offense for a bit. I mean, he, he, he looked great, and I'm sure Vince DraftKings is probably going to rate him pretty high this week. I, I would think so. Yeah, I have not checked those uh, – uh... Daily They're fantasy <laughs> salary rankings, but uh, I'm sure they will be coming out, and we'll, we'll be reporting on that on next uh, next broadcast. Yes, Thursday night, late night, Thursday night, we'll be talking a little bit about the DFS for you for sure and the betting side of things. But uh, you got two down. So this was XFL Football Award goes to Pat McAfee and Steve Boharness of the St. Louis Battle Hawks for that great, beautiful moment. Bryant giving away the Who Made Bryant Look Good Award. To Nelson Spruce of the LA Wildcats, Vince, what award you got? Uh, it's it's the the line the line of the week award <laughs> from uh, from from you know the various broadcasts, and uh, it, this may end up being line of the year as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it, it certainly is right now, and it's going to go to none other than uh, Plum High School's own Pat McAfee, uh, and he, he's, he flat out said it: the XFL is good for this country. Uh, there's no other way to sum it up better than that. He's, he's, in, the, he's in the lead for my Mr. XFL award, by the way, that I picked. Because that's what, it, that's what it's all about. It's about having some fun. I mean, you know, oh, my goodness. It's like having fun but taking it serious at the same time, and I think he's found a good combination of both. It sounds a lot like this show. It's, 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 that's true. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, we're sounding like a bunch of big Pat McAfee fans, which we are now. I'm, I'm sure all of us are. I mean, he's entertaining. But he's got two awards right now, Jake. You're cleaning us up here. Final award of the week. Brian, would you say he's a two-time? <laughs> two-time? <laughs> two award winner for the week. Although he get maybe one and a half. He has to share that other one with Steve Boharness. Jake, what's your award to round us out for our weekly awards? 
Yeah, my award is going to be for the touchdown celebration of the weekend. No surprise here in the L.A. game. I believe this was the last time that L.A. was leading, but Brian, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Jordan Smallwood, touchdown in the back corner of the end zone, and, and of course, just posing like only one other man can pose. And of course, we're talking about WWE's own Randy Orton, just the, the celebration of the week. <laughs> I, I, I flipped out twice. for it. He did it after a conversion, and he did it after a touchdown. So, time making it, it his own. Yeah, making it his own. He's now the guy in the XFL who does the Randy Orton pose, and it is it's up there as maybe one of my favorite touchdown celebrations of all time. It was great, and maybe when he could get one of his teammates to, I don't know, like get a bunch of doves and throw them at him whenever whenever he does it, gets his next touchdown. Jordan Smallwood. Of the LA Wildcats I, I, with the celebration of the week. I, hope I love it's it. Diff- I hope it's different Randy Orton poses. Like, hope next week he goes down to his knees and does, like, the Cobra <laughs> thing or the, the Viper. Well, no, you got <laughs> Well, he'd have to play for Tampa to do that. But uh, I, 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 I digress. So there you have it, the four awards of the week. This was XFL football going to Pat McAfee and Steve Boharness. Bryant's award, the Who Made Bryant Look Good award to Nelson Spruce. Vince giving away the line of the week to Pat McAfee, who I have a feeling is going to win a lot of those. The XFL is good for this country. And Jake's celebration of the week to Jordan Smallwood of the LA Wildcats. And there you have it, this week's cover two. Now we go into what will be some recapping, some looking ahead, and a whole lot of talking about these games we saw in week one in the XFL with this week's Hot Read. Comes the pressure from D.C. Throwing to the left, it's picked off! Intercepted! Bradley sailed down the sideline! For another pick six for the D.C. defenders! All right, we're going to briefly recap each game and then also hit on what to look ahead for each team. Uh, for this week going into week two, and we're going to start with D.C. beating Seattle 31-19. to We were there, Jake, to see the defenders' big victory in front of their home crowd. They scored in all three phases of the game, and Cardell Jones, according to Pro Football Focus, was the most efficient player in the XFL in week one. What stood out to, to you from that game for the D.C. defenders and Seattle Dragons? Well, and that's why I picked him to be my MVP of the year. I like the way it's going. Now, he's definitely got some competition whenever we talk Houston later, but he looked good in week one. Uh, this this was a winnable game for Seattle. They had the opportunity, to, uh, like we were saying on the postgame show, had the opportunity to make it a one-score game, but points were voluntarily taken off the board, which one school of thought says never do that. Um a number of drops in this game, some some passes that, that got away. Uh, you know, we were talking about D.C. Did they run one back or two? I can't remember. They had the, just one. They had a fump. They had, they had a fumble recovery and a and a uh, and a pick six in this game. And uh, the fumble recovery was on the punt block. That was the first touchdown in team history. So yeah, it, it was could have been a lot closer. But D.C., uh, they made the win happen, and they got New York coming into town next week. I like what you said there, Jaker, in that, you know, this game was much closer than, uh, you know, maybe the box score would would 
lead on lead you to believe you know if it wasn't for you know uh two uh defensive slash special teams touchdowns you know this is a tie ball game here plus you had the field goal taken off the board another bad interception from seattle uh you know this game was was pretty close and i don't necessarily think it was dc playing bad i think it was just you know seattle you know just was playing pretty good but just made a couple really costly mistakes and you know with that running game that they had those running backs looked very good and they were getting enough production i think out of the passing game seattle could be a tough uh opponent coming up for a lot of clubs well i'm i'm let me jump in vince because seattle you know they played well but then i think they just I think Jim Zorn didn't do them any favors. They only ran the ball 21 times, and they were almost running at close to five yards per carry. Run the ball, Jim Zorn. If this team can't run the ball, they can't win, and they did not run the ball enough. And if they did, they would have avoided the mistakes flat out. Well, you know, well, I think they're still trying to find their footing, you know. But, uh, you know, as all these teams are, they're, they're trying to feel each other out. They're trying to feel themselves out. Uh, but I, I feel like, you know, there appears to be some promise there. I don't think you could really deny that. They were three for five on fourth down, and the the defenders were two for two on fourth down in that game. Bryant, what stood out? You we were there. You watched on television. Totally different perspective. Yeah, the coaching battle I mentioned to you a lot, especially on our recap. Uh, um, not that the recap, our recap of another game that I brought up. That the coaching battle between uh, uh, Pep Hamilton and Jim Zorn was a lot of fun. Just different two, two very different uh, coaching styles. Um, here's the one thing I've noticed: and the DC defenders. Everybody says that uh, they're one of the better teams, and I agree. They did look like one of the better teams, but they were very um, one-dimensional when it came to their offense. They had those two defensive scores, uh, but they didn't really rush the ball. And, and Cardell Jones can't do it all himself. Uh, with New York coming into town. They, they allowed over 150 yards rushing, I believe, to Tampa Bay. We'll get into that in a little bit. So if DC can get to those numbers rushing the ball, then I think they're in a good spot. Uh, but really, they only had, I think, less than 60 yards rushing total uh, for that game. Uh, you're not going to win a lot of football games like that. Yeah, you're right. The defenders um, made the plays in all three phases. That's what won them the game. Because really, if you look at the box score in terms of team stats, Seattle won a lot of key categories and just the turnovers killed them. And that and that's what, what, that easily was the difference. Also, some penalty yardage, uh, but you know they were efficient. They they were decent in the you know in the red zone. Uh, not good enough. The defenders uh, weren't good at all. They didn't even score in the red zone. Zero and two, but they pulled out the victory. And now they're going to host the New York Guardians in Week Two, a, a matchup of two one and zero teams. Two teams that looked. Pretty damn good, if you ask me. Cardell Jones looked great, as advertised. And then Seattle hosting 0-1 Tampa Bay. And Seattle also, Austin, the Austin Prohl, Vince. Got to mention him on this show. Five catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns. Looked like a special weapon to go along with those three, that three-headed uh, monster, those three dragon running backs in Seattle. I think that offense has promise, but they can't. They got to they gotta, they gotta feed the dragon feed those running backs don't they yeah they they absolutely do those, the those cats were running they were running hard no doubt about that and and you talked about the austin prole now this kid was a just solid receiver at university of north carolina and i you know he's showing that same kind of stuff uh with the seattle dragons 
Well, See another if... great thing too that I'll say real quick, Alan, is that in this league, more so than in the NFL and in college football, when you're down, you could still run the football. I think it's going to take the coach a little bit of time to adjust to that mm-hmm. because usually when you're down, you don't rush. Well, in this league, you can because of the way the time uh, management works. Yeah. So I think we'll, I think Jim Zorn will go back to that if he's back into this same instance later on this season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of you know, just you know, comeback scenarios and things like that. One thing I want to throw out that uh, I think is going to be huge, you know, not just for DC and Seattle. Uh, for next week, but for all these teams is that, you know, these conversions after touchdowns are just so critical to me, uh, you know, much more critical than what I was given a credit for. And, you know, DC was trying a bunch of wild stuff with, uh, you know, switching quarterbacks, having Tyree Jackson in there and just couldn't find much success. Uh, teams who get that straightened out, uh, that's a major advantage going forward. You get those PATs, you are going to be looking good. I, I mean, at the end of the season, I think that might be a pretty telling stat. Uh, total extra points converted. Um, in this game, both teams got one each, and they both scored one-pointers. So the difference, huge glaring uh, glaring turnover discrepancy. The Dragons fall because of that. But going back home, Jake, you said fans won't be worried and the Dragons shouldn't be worried. I think – they don't have a lot a lot to fix except those turnovers going home and they should be good this team looked like they can win some ball games yeah i mean they you know they turned the ball over on downs after that fourth down stop by dc if they would have got it there it still would have been a a one score game uh potentially just a field goal away to tie the game so you're right that that game could have gone either way but it went in favor of the defenders this yeah, it did. They made some big plays. They made the splash plays, and the D.C. defenders win 31-19. to 19, Excuse me. Uh, Cardell Jones, eh, he might be MVP, but I don't know. They got The next guy we're going to talk about, oh, man, he's he was my pick for MVP, and I am feeling pretty damn confident. I'm not giving away a who made Allen look good award, Bryant, but if I did, you know who it would go to. Let's talk about that Houston and L.A. Wildcats game. Walker, with time, takes the shot. Cam Phillips, caught. Touchdown, Renegades. Yes, that was uh, Kurt Menefee calling the Roughnecks the Renegades, unfortunately, but the Roughnecks, he straightened it out, beat the L.A. Wildcats 37-17 to with P.J. Walker, just dominating four touchdowns 272 yards through the air two bombas down the field elusiveness i mean what more could you ask for from a quarterback in week one vince pj walker flat out balling top fantasy player and your xfl mvp after one week (laughs) yeah Uh, and rookie of the year i might add uh you know this was a uh quarterback situation where you know all of us were kind of split on you know who should start him or Connor Cook and I'll say PJ Walker delivered he dropped a couple right in the bucket uh just excellent throws on the move no doubt and uh you got to be pleased with what this kid was able to do in June Jones's offense and he proved he is temple tough oh man I just like seeing PJ Walker scramble to his left and then make that turn and just flick it down the field. He was he did that a few times in this game, and it was the most beautiful thing to watch of all four games. 
you know, people are making a huge deal about that, you know, those kind of plays being made by Patrick Mahomes. Well, you're getting it in the XFL right now with PJ Walker. Yeah, yeah and just for a little for a little context about, you know, talking about people watching week one and having a good show and Whenever Vince and I stopped at a local fast food joint on the way home, this game was on the TV. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's real rap right there. <laughs> well, some of them say that Jake's a big exhibit fan, so we, we got to get that out of there one day. Uh, here's here's the really? one I would work on. Yeah. Jake, aren't you an exhibit man? Uh, let's just keep going with it. He's a DMX guy. Uh, here's, Whatever. <laughs> here's uh, what I would say for the Wildcats. Uh, if they want to fix what they need to do to win in week two against the Dallas Renegades, third down. Three out of 15 on third downs, not going to do it for you. Uh, Norm Chow has the plays. He he showed great promise. That offense did as well in that first half. Uh, they tapered off, obviously, in the second half. I think that'll be the story. I know Pepper Johnson is no longer with the team, so the defense now becomes a story as well. But to me, can the offense do what they did in the first quarter? Because you remember, they had a chance to take that lead uh, going into the half with the field goal. There was some miscommunication, a penalty, and really just didn't get a chance to kick that last field goal. But the uh, the Wildcats, to me, looked like a better team in the first half than they did in the second half. They look like two opposite teams. Now the question is, which team shows up for week two at Diddy the Sports Park? Yeah, I mean, I got to give a lot of credit to uh, the the Houston Roughnecks, and they're just they're scheming on defense. They ended up in that second half just stifling LA twenty five unanswered points, sacked five times between Jalen McClendon and and Chad. Was it Kanoff who got sacked every time? I don't know. He was getting hit hard too. He ended up getting hurt, and no Josh Johnson out there. How important was that? In, in this game, Vince, if Josh Johnson was out there, what do you think? that Would that have made a difference? Uh, I, it's hard to say. Um, I, in the end, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, Houston was the better team, better team on this day. You know, yeah, maybe L.A. would have scored a little bit more, but, you know, Houston, it, it didn't look like they were able to stop Houston. Uh, so, uh, in the end, I don't think it would have made that much of a difference. Well, with what Ted Cottrell had schemed up in that second half with his D-line breathing fire, I mean, they were fuming at the mouth getting after quarterbacks. Five sacks, they looked great. Uh, and we didn't I, you know, we didn't talk enough about that going into the game, but the Roughnecks D-line really showed some promise as one of the better units across the league defensively. And now Houston will line up against St. Louis at home at TDECU Stadium in Week 2. L.A. will make their home debut against the Dallas Renegades two crucial matchups but that LA one game Jake you called it you said it was the first must win game of the season yeah I think it is but then again on the same you know on the other hand you're going to have Landry Jones uh, fresh off installing a a bathtub in somebody's house (laughs) coming on the field trying to get a win for Dallas and Coach Stoops who is actually coaching in the league yeah (laughs) <laughs> so LA will be figuring out their defensive situation with Pepper Johnson fired. Also, you've got Anthony Kimbo Johnson tweeting out uh, free agent. We'll see his status. No official word yet on that, Brian, as of the live taping of the podcast. But I mean, a guy that you thought would be a leader on the team. Also, if he exits that locker room, tumultuous to say the least for the LA Wildcats, at least from an outsider's perspective. If it all could get remedied, though, with a victory at Dignity Health Park this 
this weekend against the Dallas Renegades. A 10-week season victories are important. Uh, do I say it's a must-win? I still, I still think it's a little too early for that, but change, promise. You need to get that out of your team this week for sure for the LA Wildcats. Yep, and the Houston Roughnecks, I mean, you, you, they're happy as a hog and slop right now, uh, p- looking like one of the best teams, if not the best team in the XFL, P.J. Walker, just looking like a absolute beast on the field. He said he plays like he's the best player on the field every time he goes out there. He showed it. Amazing, amazing debut for the Houston Roughnecks quarterback. June Jones's team, 1-0. They host 1-0 St. Louis. And we'll get to St. Louis after we go back to the east where I was and those Guardians defeated the Tampa Bay Vipers 23-3. Murray over the middle. And what a catch! Absorbing the hit. It's Truesdale. A one-hander and the hit. He's all the way out across the 40-yard line for a 27-yard gain. Wow. Can I know the Vipers lost the game. Can I could just say greatest catch in XFL history, Vince? Nick Truesdale on that 27 juggling uh, 27 yard juggling catch. Um, he got popped and still hung on, and then he fumbled yeah. a couple plays later. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't all good for for Mr. Truesdale, but yeah, yeah, hell of a catch, no doubt about that. Yeah, New York's defensive backs they weren't making anything easy. Two interceptions, eight passes defended as a team. We taught we hyped them up, Vince. We told you, and they went out there and they proved it. Again, hey, Brian, you could have said the Guardians secondary and for, for your award this week, too. They made you look pretty good, but not hard to do. We saw them in practice. That that's that unit is the truth. They proved it against the Vipers, Vince. Yeah, they, they did. Although I will say, you know, Aaron Murray, you know, this kid, you know, you you could tell by watching uh, all, all four of these games that this kid has the most raw talent out of any of the quarterbacks that played. But, you know, it kind of shows why he was, you know, just a fifth-round pick in the NFL, didn't quite do anything there, and, you know, he's just not, I don't know what it is, it just doesn't click. It's just not getting there for him. Uh, it's a shame, and the the Vipers got to figure something out because, you know, yeah, they were able to move the football, but at the end of the day, you know, no touchdowns, and you can't win, can't win like that. Yeah, I mean, they were moving it down the field, but it's just, it's, you know, if you're throwing the ball in the end zone, throw it where only your receiver can get, you know, uh, some underthrown passes. We we're talking about the secondary of the Guardians, but whenever you underthrow it, you know, you're, you're just going to get picked off. I, I mean, the staff were, what was it? Uh, Tampa Bay was inside New York's 36 times, but only came up with three points. Not good enough. Yeah, and some reckless Great throws. Stat, Jake. Where'd you it come is, with that? <laughs> reckless throws, too, from Murray whenever they did get in into scoring position. He just what didn't protect the ball. But also, I think he just, he had guys down the field. That either He didn't see them, didn't feel like he could make the throw. I don't know what, but... I thought offensively Tampa Bay looked like they they could have something, Bryant. We talked about this in the recap, but Aaron Murray, for whatever reason, didn't make those throws. Also, a great Guardians defense uh, made them look bad, 23-3 bad. It was the biggest whooping of the weekend. People were saying on social media and at the stadium, 
Quentin Flowers over Aaron Murray. I heard some of that. What did you think now that you've had some time to digest that game? How do you bench a quarterback when you have almost 400 yards of total offense in a game? This team is close. I've said it. I said it in our recap that they just need to put it together. Uh, they had a great, some great movement, some unfortunate turnovers. Nick Truesdale had some very big highs, but also had some very low lows uh, in that game. If they can put it together, they can tighten it up a little bit. I think they'll be fine. Uh, but my thing, and I told this to Vince, and I think Vince, you're showing a little pit bias here. I think Matt McGloin was the most accurate passer all weekend long. He looked a lot better than the way uh, Vince, you had been hyping him or not hyping him up going into the game. I think you got to give him a little bit of credit the way he performed for the New York Guardians. He did all right, I suppose. I mean, you know, didn't have to do very much, you know, whenever your, your defense only allows three points. Um, and I, I, I'd have to go back and watch all the tape and take a look at, you know, the completion percentages and drops. And well, if you're going by completion percentages, then uh, Philip Nelson was uh, number one, 79% with that air raid. And then Tom, who was not far behind at 74, McGloin was only at 52, Bryant. So not the most accurate passer. Yeah, but, but you got to watch. He you made plays. Look at the set. Some, of those, some of those were confusion plays where, you know, he thought the receiver would be here and not there. When he made those accurate passes, and it's, it's like that stat in baseball. It's like when he makes contact, he's an 800 hitter, but he strikes out half the time. You're right. Well, I think it depends on if people are pitching the contact. 52 percent of the uh is not a great completion percentage but when he made those throws that he needed to make they were very accurate very clean hit his receivers in stride i think there's some promise there too for the new york guardians look to me tampa bay should have won this game they got close enough many times and came up with only three points i think the vipers are going to be fine but what is that about they got beat by 20 points bro Dude, (laughs) you're trying to tell me they should have won this game they they, when you have 400 yards of offense, you're in the red zone four times inside the 36 and come up with three points, you're right. You probably shouldn't win the game, but you could have won the game because you had the opportunities. Your team is strong enough to have won this game. You just got to put it together. Well, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna try to save Bryant here. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I like Tampa still coming out of this, but they did get taken to the woodshed. They lost by 20, and they turned the ball over. They didn't make any big plays the way that New York did in terms of getting in the end zone. What this team did was move the ball well. And if you do that, then you have you know a, a footing to, to go off of. You've got something to work with, and there definitely is something to work with for the Tampa Bay Vipers offensively. But when you get to the red zone, you must score, and you cannot turn the ball over. Also, they didn't get after McGloin at all. They didn't, they didn't sack him. He was clean. And that's something they need to work on also. That defensive line did not do much for Tampa Bay. And, you know, quite frankly, if they're not if they're not getting after quarterbacks and they're not getting into the end zone, that's a recipe for a 20-point loss. So they have things to work on on both sides of the ball, but they have things that looked good. They had a, a running back who was, you know, almost at five yards a pop. And if you're doing that, you run the ball more. Smith had uh, 79 yards in this game, but when you're down 20, you're not going to run a whole lot. You know, the, the Vipers had something to work with. New York looked like a complete team. I think they could win in a variety of ways. That secondary is awesome. That defensive line even was good. They got they got after after the quarterback, after Murray, and after after Flowers, and who, I mean, he got mauled on that last offensive play they had too. Yikes. Uh, yeah, no flowers to, to play a QB for me either. Keep Murray in there, see what you got, and figure out 
figure out your red zone offense and you should be fine, Tampa. I'd play Cornelius. You'd play Taylor Cornelius week two already? Yeah. Why is yeah. that? He's uh he's a good mix between uh between the two. I mean he's this kid, you know, is uh he knows how to run an offense at Oklahoma State and he knows how to run an XFL kind of offense. Uh I, I think this guy is tailor made for, for the <laughs> XFL. I'd I'd love I'd love to see him out there. I really would. I see what you did there. We'll keep an eye on it, but I have a feeling Murray's gonna get another shot when Tampa Bay goes to Seattle this week. And then you have the Guardians, like we said, going to D.C. in what might be the matchup of the week in week two. But let's wrap up week number one now and talk about the Battle Hawks' big victory. Only road team to win when they went and beat the Dallas Renegades. Keith Ford takes it into the end zone. A 16-yard touchdown run to give St. Louis its first ever lead. Jake, do you think the Dallas Renegades lost because they had to breathe in all those fumes running through the tunnel at the at the beginning of the game? Well, it certainly <laughs> didn't didn't help. Uh, you know, I'll say that with you know emissions and, and everything we know about that right now. I mean, my my, my, my question is to Vince. Vince, you've been talking about Hell Mummy, uh, you know, quite frankly for years to me personally. <laughs> And, and they got three field goals in this game. It's better than one field goal, but discuss that. <laughs> well, uh, you know this this kid that was playing uh, the, the the backup quarterback that played for Landry Jones, Philip Nelson. You know, this kid was just no good. You know that that's that's really what it came down to. He was scared to throw the ball down the field. He just kept dumping it off. And, you know, eventually St. Louis was able to catch on to that. And whenever he did throw deep, he was nowhere even close. You know, it, it was just a bad performance. Um, you know, you could draw the best plays you want, but the execution's just not there. And whenever Landry gets in there, I think we're going to see a completely different offense. So if Landry really. would have been playing uh, on Sunday, would, would uh, Dallas have won that game? They would have. I mean, granted, you know, somebody's drywall wouldn't have been put up, but <laughs> Dallas would have won that game. <laughs> well, I called it. I told you Landry Jones not playing would give the Battle Hawks an opening, and they took it. Jordan Tamu, I thought, was marvelous, efficient. 20 of 27. He had the long runs when they needed him. 77 yards on the ground. Him and Matt Jones made for an excellent lethal pair on the that ground. That was really I, the difference. Yeah. The I mean, running of Tamu. Yeah. Yeah, and Hayes had had something cooking. And then they had adversity, too, Vince, where Chuck Long's uh, headset went out to the offense, and he had to relay to, to Hayes, who relayed to the offense, and they still pulled it off, held on to win. Maybe it's because Nelson was out there. I don't know. But the Battlehawks' defense came up looking like we talked about, too. Uh, you know, they'd be good. They'd fly around. And then the offense, efficient enough. They scored enough. A great win on the road. Can't ask for anything more. Lots to work with. And I could see Tamu improving upon that and becoming the most dangerous player in this league next to P.J. Walker with all the tools he has. Bryant, what about you? We talked about this in the mini-sode recap, of, but you know, Vince just said Landry Jones in the game, they win. We didn't really talk about that. We, we want to break down the game as we saw it, but if Landry Jones played, what do you think? Would it have made a difference? Well, we said holy... Uh, air raid, right? 42 pass attempts from Philip Nelson, 33 completions, 79 pass percentage. But you're right, Vince. A lot of those shorties, only 209 yards. That's not the way the air raid offense is really built. 
uh, to last. You got to get those longer passes. He did have uh, uh, Parham, the tight end, the big tight end, um, but you know, could could have Dallas won that game with Landry Jones? Of course, there were a couple plays away as well. Uh, the Battle Hawks look great. Jordan Talmu, uh, probably runner up to me on who would be MVP so far this season. The kid really? looked great. Yeah, I mean, he looked great all game long. He was consistent. He he was moving around. He was moving the pocket. Uh, he made St. Louis <sighs> look better than... You and I are not going to be friends at the end of this episode for after a while, I think. Vince is well, for, if you're saying Jordan Tamu looked better than P.J. Walker, you're wrong. He looked I said, good. I said runner-up. I okay, said runner-up. Okay, good. Okay, I sorry. Don't even, I don't even know if I'd say that. I mean, he he looked okay, but, like, uh, you know, he... He'd probably have my second-place vote. Yeah, I'm with you there, Brian. He, he, sorry. He ran, he ran the ball very effectively. At the same time, he took some horrible sacks. Um, it wasn't, you know, tremendously accurate. Uh and in, in an offense that 74% only four percent completion percentage. What are you talking about? If you're going to dog me on completion percentages with Matt McGloin, I'm going to throw it right back at you with the 74 for Jordan Tamu, almost responsible for 300 yards. I mean, come on. In an offense that only put up 15 points. So I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to get you know overly excited about that. You shouldn't, but you, you should also you should also respect the fact that they won on the road. It was week one. Oh, and I do. I think they're only going to get better from that, uh, honestly. Yeah. And that defense, I think, is legit. With Landry Jones in the game, still, they might have been able to go downfield, but Battlehawks secondary looked pretty solid with Kenny Robinson and Will Hill both making big plays. Yeah, Jake, anytime you could come away with a victory in that poor of air quality, you know, you got you got to feel pretty good about yourself. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You got to take it. it. It could be the difference between making it into the postseason and watching it at home. Well, Jake, yeah. what do you think, real quick, as we wrap up? Dallas is going to go on the road against LA next week on Sunday. St. Louis is on the road still, staying in Texas, and they will take on the Houston Roughnecks. And that is also a Sunday. Uh, that's a Sunday afternoon game. But Jake, what do you think of the stadium, the converted baseball park for football? What'd you, how'd, how'd you think that looked on TV? I think it looked good on TV. You know, it's it's a much bigger venue than at D.C. whenever we were at. You know, I think we all favor those smaller MLS-style fields, but of course you're not going to be able to get those in all eight locations. But, yeah, I it was ready in time. There were concerns about that months ago. Uh, and I think enough, you know, enough Renegades fans showed up and were passionate enough to make it look good on television. Well, that was week one, and as we close up week one, Bryant, where does that leave us? We all submitted power rankings individually to you. You put your algorithm together. You multiplied and did math. Math is hard, but sports makes math fun. What did it collectively say in terms of power rankings from our show? Well, I'll start at the bottom, and we were all kind of on par. Vince, I'm going to call you out on one just real quick here at the very end, but we had the Wildcats at number eight, the Dragons at number seven, uh, the Renegades at number six, Vipers after that at five, the St. Louis Battlehawks uh, number four, Guardians number three, Defenders number two, and the Roughnecks number one. Vince, you had the Vipers to number four on your power rankings. I assume you think they look kind of good at least. Yeah, I mean, you could you could tell that there's a lot there. You know, uh, yeah, they only scored three points, but at the same time. You know, they were able to move the football. It just seems like, yeah, maybe if they make a, a quarterback change or some some tweaks to that offense, they could do a lot better. It so was Brian, the, those uh, are the averages you read. Is that correct? 
those are the averages of all four of our uh, power rankings Wait, here. Was I, I the only? This, I think... Was I the only? Sorry, was I the only one who had New York number two? Oh yes. I no, I had New York too. Hold on, hold on. I'm going in. I think I had him number three. Yeah. I... So the the reason. <laughs> So it was Explain. really a split between D.C. and New York. It was really a split between D.C. and New York because D.C. had two two-place votes and two third-place votes, and the same thing with New York. So D.C. just goes forward because they scored more points. Oh, is that? <laughs> that's the, uh, that's that's the, the algorithm. Breaker. All right. That's all the right. algorithm. I don't know. I, I put it in the computer. It spits it out. What you guys? What do you want me to do? I respect that, um, but I, I think the Guardians are my number two team behind Houston. Um the, the Guardians' defense looked ferocious. DC gave up some big plays to the Dragons. That's why I, that was the deciding factor for me. I don't know about whoever else had New York at number two, but, I mean, we'll see. That, that matchup next week, week two, has got to be the matchup, at least for me, and that is coming first. That's the Saturday afternoon game, 2 o'clock on ABC. Cannot wait for that one. Check out those power rankings, though. We're, we'll get those posted right here inside the uh, the feed on all podcast apps or on xfl.com for you to peruse and disagree with and let us know what you think at xfl show week one in the books our first week rat week of, of xfl football wrap-up jake it's in the books how'd it go oh it's in the books uh it went well i just i, I have questions about how somebody has tampa bay higher than seattle after scoring three points but we don't have enough time to elaborate more. Yeah, I'm one of those people. And to explain myself might take too much time. But we are out of that. We got to get out of here and and start <laughs> planning for our Thursday evening show. Late Thursday evening, we'll have another episode for you uh, where we are going to preview week two thoroughly. Hopefully get you some good crisp interviews and some access to players or coaches from these teams. We're... Uh, we're trying to reach out, working hard to try to get get the schedule right so we can bring them to you. They are busy, though, preparing for week number two. Some of these teams, well, according to Jake, it's do or die week already, Bryant. They've got everything to lose this week. Uh, you, you could probably lose the season this week. I don't think you're going to win it. Uh, so yeah. a lot of things on the line for some teams out there, for sure. Uh, special thanks to everyone at the XFL uh, headquarters there for helping us out on Twitter as well as the work that they're putting in. This was a lot. I got sappy on Saturday morning. I know you saw that. That was me on Twitter if you saw it at XFL show. But really was just a, a full-on effort for two years to get this thing together. And I'm happy that we did our part. Everyone did their part. You fans did your part. Uh, and the XFL, at least for one week, was a success. And we'll just keep this uh, momentum rolling through the season. Make sure you follow us at XFL show on Twitter and Instagram. Catch our show every single week. On XFL.com, there is actually a new tab for our show, too. So we're on the Videos Plus tab. No longer the news, so check that out. And also on YouTube.com slash XFL, the official YouTube channel of the XFL. Yeah, buddy. Vince, we have been immortalized on Fox. Brian gets recognized when he goes out, but we are forever a part of the first broadcast of the XFL on Fox. So I think we've got one up on him now. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, you know, as I said, you know, we know what the what? hell we're talking about here. At this is the XFL show. I, I'm I'm big in Canada. Don't even That's I didn't even bring that up. But I'm huge in Canada. TSA but the XFL is good for America, this country. <laughs> <laughs> Although we do appreciate all of our Canadian listeners north of the border, and I encourage them all to watch uh, the XFL on TSN or wherever they get their good 
crisp football. Yeah, it's our TSN up in Canada. Again, shout out to all of our all of our XFL fans watching all over the world and listening to this show all over the world because they do. We know we've got some German listeners. We've got some uh, listeners over in England. <laughs> it's true, Vince. What are you laughing about? We are I worldwide. <laughs> They have a lot of passion over there in Germany. They do. I heard some people from from Salzburg are watching. You know know Salzburg, yes? Mozart. Montreal, yes. And the XFL, baby. We are worldwide on This is the XFL Show. So wherever you're listening, we thank you for subscribing. And, of course, going to XFL.com, which is just jam-packed now full of content. Uh, Getting ready for this show was super fun, just being on there, looking at highlights, reading stats. It's all there now for you on XFL.com. We will be back with another episode that is late Thursday night, so wait for it, and we will preview week number two. Oh, man, so much to look forward to this week. Can a team lose the entire week this week? The L.A. Wildcats, a lot going on there. The Tampa Bay Vipers in a tough situation having to go all the way to Seattle. We're going to break it all down. Cannot wait for it. But until then, let's put a bow on this one for Vince, for Jake, for Bryant. I'm Alan. This is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening. <laughs>